if you look at Greylock Partners or Andreessen Horowitz and read into their cultures, it is based in having productive conflict. They are more successful in their investments when there's vehement conflict between the partners versus when they all agree. Hey, welcome to My Company Story. I'm your host, Don Burge. My Company Story is a podcast where I get to interview some of the most interesting business owners and CEOs about the challenges that they've faced and how they've overcome them. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm here with Tony Wong. Tony is the CEO of Digital Onion and also Applied Agile. Tony, welcome to My Company Story. Thank you for having me, Don. Appreciate Tony, it. can you tell us a little bit about those two companies, uh, what they both do, and why you are running two companies? Oh, that's interesting. So uh, I first started DigitalOnion maybe 17 years ago, and it started as a project management services company. We quickly pivoted into Agile, and Agile is a software development process. We pivoted into Agile a couple years later, and then as Agile grew, so did we. We rolled the whole wave of doing training Agile teams and then eventually doing Agile culture transformations for large companies. Um, and then one of my uh, clients, uh, the biggest gaming company in Los Angeles, came back to me a few years later and said, hey, we're growing at an astronomical rate. They grew from 60 people to 3,000 people over the course of five years. Wow, that's fast. Yeah, and so they asked me if I could help scale the leaders quickly through executive coaching. And so I'm super grateful to that client, and so we started a new business. So now we have Applied Agile, and that focuses on training Agile leaders. Great. So if you can, let's, because I know we talked about this before, and I wanted to get my hands around this or really give the audience their head around what it is you do. So let's first talk about Digital Onion and what you and your team do there before we go into Applied Agile. Yeah, so Digital Onion operates much like a management consultancy. We go in, uh, we're, we're hired for change management engagements where we will deploy five, 10 people full-time be on site at the client and we will manage and implement a culture change around agile values and process. Got it. Okay, good. So that's why the applied agile then works related to that as coaching. And is that where instead of putting your team in, you're coaching the individuals who work there on how to apply uh, applied agile. Is that correct? Correct. We mainly coach uh, executives, VP and C-level on the, it's usually called the mindset of Agile. It's called being Agile, but it's more the emotional intelligence that uh, is required to really make Agile successful. Got it. Tony, can you give us, uh, give the audience, if you can, a, uh, an example they can visualize of where you walked in either with your team through Digital Onion or you with coaching and you help someone in what way? How did that transformation take place? What did that look like? So maybe I'll, I'll stick with that gaming company. Um, this gaming company uh, was a startup. They brought us in at 60 people, and then they exited at $11 billion um, just 10 years later. So they brought us in. We established their value set, things like empowerment, ownership, self-management, those type of values didn't exist before Agile. 
So back in the day, that was a change for people. So we did training, we implemented process, we worked one-on-one -on -one with the executives and leaders to really start to flip the mindset from this command and control style to what is now uh, called agile that most people don't even know came from agile. So is agile like, I know there's command and control top down uh, old style of running a company. And then there's, is agile more from the bottom up where you are supporting where the executive is on the bottom, really supporting the people above him to do their jobs and get out of their way. Is it similar to that? Yes. Uh, you know, another word for it is servant leadership. Servant leadership. That's the word I'm looking for. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. So servant leadership first started in Agile. And it was the switch from, it really is the project manager point of view of managing a team and switching to, oh, I'm here to be in service of the team. And that was the biggest switch. And that started in 2001 and has now pervaded into all levels of management. I see. Now, Tony, how did you get into this? I mean, what's your personal journey to get you where you are today running these two companies? Uh, well, so one point of view of that is, you know, it was serendipitous. I just kind of fell into it. I was working for an internet consultancy in the first boom in project management. And, um, and, uh, so I just started in, in doing managing software projects and uh, then grew into starting my own business and then doing Agile. Right? I see, okay, and how long ago was that? When did that? When did you really start going full-time with Agile then? Uh, about 2004. 2004, okay, so you've been doing, doing it for a little while then. Yeah, I'm a veteran, yeah. <laughs> you are, that's great. Now, can you tell me then what differentiates Agile from other choices that a company would have to change the culture of their leadership and of their teams? Well, uh, they're, they're all variants of Agile. Okay. Right? So if any company is going to go through change, they're going to implement either an Agile culture or a decentralized culture or a design thinking or a lean culture. Those are all variants stemming from Agile. I see. Okay. So it's either that or command and control. Right. Okay. So it's one or the other. Got it. Okay, good. Now, can you, a little bit earlier, we were talking about emotional intelligence. Can you discuss what that means and what that's all about? Sure. Um, emotional intelligence is, you know, people call it the mindset of Agile, but it's more like if you think about um, empowerment and ownership, those are very rational concepts, but they take a lot of uh, getting over one's desires for control, right? Right. And that's where command and control came in. It was very uh, plan-based and dictatorial. To really empower is, a, is an act of letting go and experimenting, right? And that you have to get over all your ingrained habits and beliefs about, hey, I really need to manage this and control it, and I need to feel like everything is clean and planned out. What we, what we figured out in Agile is that clean and planned out feeling is a false sense of security because plans change all the time, especially right. in technology. Right. So it's really getting over those ingrained feelings of I need to be in control. I need to have things laid out. Well, that's a tall order, it seems like. Or, or I should say that that takes a very enlightened leader 
of an organization to give up that control and say, I want to change over to this way of running my company. I mean, that, that takes a remarkable person at the top, I would imagine, to, to, to have, bring you in to have that change take place. Yes. And I think most cor corporations wouldn't do that unless they have found what they have found that, hey, all the highest performing companies, especially coming out of Silicon Valley, are operating this way. And quite frankly, they're kicking our butts doing it. Right. So that's why that's what has caused that sort of desire to change. Do you find, Tony, do you find that that uh, uh, certain companies or uh, CEOs or board of directors are reaching out to you saying, we, we, we know how good it is. We know what has to happen. And we want you to come into our organization and make this happen. As opposed to you going out and reaching out, you're probably not reaching out to cold calling companies, are you? It's more the other way around? That is correct. Um, we've operated word of mouth for uh, 17 years. And it's funny you ask that. Um, what we did this past year is run our first ever marketing campaign. So you're correct. Most people are reaching out to us directly. So why are you doing the marketing campaign or what's that all about? Uh, it's about growth, uh, really scaling the business and creating a repeatable system that doesn't rely on my own personal relationships. Got it. Yep. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Tony, speaking of that, then where do you see the industry going? I mean, if you've been doing this for some 15 years, where do you see it in the next 15 years? Where, where, how is it shifting and growing and changing? Well, so the interesting thing is Agile has been around for 20 years. And now there are more reports of Agile failures than successes. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So there's more than an 80% penetration rate into those companies that uh, are executing technology projects, which is all, product, all companies. Right. But they're reporting more and more failures. More than 50% of the projects are reported as agile failures. So if it were mere logical, rational implementation of a process, it would have worked already. Right. So, so now the question is, what is it? Yeah, what is it? I mean, how, where, where, so tell us more about that. So our observation is it's uh, emotional intelligence skills. And here's why. Agile gave, gave people the values of empowerment, ownership, self-management, which means these people didn't have to earn it. So because they were given it, they also didn't earn the skills necessary to take responsibility for those values. Oh, Things I like see. Empowerment, ownership, that's a lot of responsibility that typically people had to earn. Right, I see. So because they were given that, uh, it, 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 it has little value to them because it was given to them. And so by earning it, and that's the shift you're doing now and where you see the future going, is in, is in having employees earn that in right. order to be empowered. Yeah, learning the skills that they would have other ha otherwise have learned like how to deal with conflict, both within themselves and with others. That sort of thing people typically learned. So can, we, can you focus on that for just a minute? Let's just take dealing with conflict. I mean, how does that now change in this, in the, in going forward in the future with your process? What, what, tell, tell me, just concentrate on that one only. So uh, we focus on what conflict creates in people 
and what they make it mean, right? So what we observe in a lot of agile teams is that because people don't have those skills, they just avoid conflict altogether. Right. In lieu, and what they trade it for is the niceties of quote collaboration. Right. But what happens is without that conflict, you don't have great ideas winning. You have niceties and people feeling good winning. That makes sense. Yes. So people, because obvious, I mean, people want to avoid conflict. They don't want to, it's, it's uncomfortable. And so what you're teaching them is not necessarily to avoid it, but right. how to do it constructively. Correct. Got and, it. you know, if you look at, you know, I, I keep up with Silicon Valley. If you look at Greylock Partners or Andreessen Horowitz and read into their cultures, it is based in having productive conflict. Like, right. for example, Greylock Partners, Reed Hoffman on his podcast said they have figured out through looking at data that they are more successful in their investments when there's vehement conflict between the partners versus when they all agree on whether they should go or not go right. with an investment. Right. It's the old adage that you don't want a bunch of yes men around you because you're not right. going to get anywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, that's great. So Tony, can you, on this show, we have a lot of business owners listening to this show, people who are running companies like you are. Can you address the challenges that you faced in your career and then how you've overcome them? Does one come to mind or two come to mind when I ask that question? Yeah. So it, this goes along the, the conversation we've been having about EQ. Like I said before, our leadership team just embarked on our first ever marketing campaign. And so our leadership team had not been familiar with that. So that was for that was moving into an area of uncertainty, ambiguity, doubt, right? So we had no map for here's what we need to do, here's what it's going to result in, here are the milestones and the outcome. We had no map for that. So what we were able to do is overcome that fear of uncertainty and doubt and move forward with an experimentation process. I see. Tell us about that. So the process we used is both lean, lean startup and design thinking based. So what we did was we focused on the customer, we developed hypotheses and we ran them in two week cycles. So we so said, Hey, our hypothesis is our main customer is, uh, VP level of Fortune 500 companies. And our hypothesis is that the best way to reach them is through LinkedIn campaigns. Okay. We didn't know that, but we said that's our hypothesis. Here's our success criteria. And we move forward in two week cycles, improving that that was going to create leads for us. I see. So it's a matter of coming up with a hypothesis. You think this, this plan will work. Let's test it for two weeks. Yep. Let's evaluate it against the goals we set up and then, and then change or give it up. Right. Right. And it's all based on learning. Right. I see. So that sounds very rational and it seems like, okay, great. But to do that, we had to overcome all sorts of fears and doubts and we had to have arguments because people didn't think, it was the right thing to do because it could, they couldn't grok it. They couldn't understand how that would work. And these are people within your company who are teaching and, others to do this. Right. That seems yeah. a bit ironic. 
Yeah. So that, that's how big a role fear plays in our lives. Right. Right. That so there's fear there, of like, I don't feel good. People make it mean this is a bad idea. Right. Right. So I, I, I take it there's no magic bullet. There's no simple phrase. There's no poster you can put up in the hallway that changes this. It's a constant, uh, it's a constant vigilance every day in meetings and making people feel safe and discussing it. Is, am I correct in that assumption? You hit the nail on the head. It is discussing it, but it's discussing it in a certain way to really go deeper into fear and to really understand what that fear is saying, not from a conceptual point of view, but from a, like a, um, a really embracing the fear. It's right. a very experiential process. And then you understand Oh, fear is different than danger or risk. Right. And, and through so, that process. So you, people acknowledging that, and then right. they can get past it and move forward. Right. And then you start bypassing the amygdala. And the amygdala is the danger fear center. Right. right. Once you can bypass that, now you're back into rational thinking. Got it. Interesting. And getting people to aware of that, then it moves them forward. Now, I imagine, I imagine, Tony, there, this does not work for every employee. I mean, you may have people coming in, your company or other companies that, you know, I don't buy into this wishy-shushy stuff. I'm going to move on. I don't like it. And you know, they either agree to leave or you say you're not right for the team and you move on. That happens, doesn't it? Yes, it, it, it does happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I actually... A lot of people really em embrace it because we've gone too far into the mushy feelings because Agile has brought us that way. Right. I actually think we need to come back to more of the hard-edged, like, hey, I understand we don't feel good about this. I understand it creates some fear and uncertainty, and yet we have to find a way to move forward. Right. We have a deadline on Thursday. We need to meet. I'm sorry you don't feel good about it, but we got to make right. this. Customer is, is expecting this on Thursday. Exactly. So it's it's not like going into the mushy places. It's bringing it in and accepting it and move forward, moving forward despite it. That's great. That's great, Tony. Thank you for explaining that. Tony, do you have any other bits of wisdom to pass on to other business owners that may be listening to this or pieces of of, of, of what you picked up along the way that you'd like to say to other entrepreneurs who are running companies your size? Yeah, I think given uh, the difficulties of, of entrepreneurship and the difficulties of today's business environment, I think self-care is more critical than ever, right? What I mean by self-care is entrepreneurs typically just do it one way. They crush, they, they drive, they work harder, longer, faster, but that will blow up faster than it did in the past because we have so many pressures with technology and change and information that you really need to find ways to be mentally, physically, and emotionally um, relaxed. So Tony, give us, give us real quickly, what are some one or two things that a CEO can do is listening to this that would do that in that way? What, what would you recommend to someone listening? Uh, one, I would say there's all the people we coach get a lot of benefit from not using their phone as an alarm clock. Ah. Charge that in the bathroom and then don't look at it for the first hour of the day. The first and hour of the day? First hour of the day, and then see how your day goes. Test it for a week, see what you notice. 
Interesting. That's great advice. That's a really that's some some something I can start tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. That's and fantastic. then if that works for you, bookend it. Don't look at don't look at it an hour before you go to sleep. Yeah. I have been reading where looking at a blue screen before you go to sleep really screws up with your sleep, uh, your REM cycle and your sleep pattern. Exactly. But it's not just the blue screen because you can turn that off on your device. Right. It's the interaction in the constant like uh, switching of context that makes a difference. Yep. I'll bet. Do you recommend meditation also? Yeah. In fact, that's a whole nother story. Uh, I've been practicing traditional Japanese Zen for 20 years. Uh, I think I've added up all the hours I've meditated. It's over 4,500 hours in my wow. life. Wow. Wow. So yes, highly recommend meditation. It's easier than you think. Uh, the one recommendation I would rec uh, give to people who are meditating for the first time is don't think that meditation is not thinking because that will actually mess you up. Mm. If you want to think, just let it fly. You just want to relax and be. Don't try to push your thoughts away. That's great, Tony. Tony, I appreciate all you've said. I think we'll end it on that note then. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Um, probably our YouTube channel, uh, Applied Agile, or they can hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter. Okay. Uh, Twitter handles Agile underscore Tony. Fantastic. Tony, thanks so much for being a guest on the show, and we look forward to hearing about your success. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to My Company Story. We have new episodes coming out every week, so please subscribe if you like this. And if you'd like to hear previous episodes, you can go to mycompanystory.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you or someone you know would be interested in coming on the show, please email me at don at Thanks for listening.